This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Weather Lounge, your favorite go-to podcast about weather. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and I would like to thank you for joining us from our Weatherworks headquarters here in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And joining me, as always, is my ridiculously talented co-host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Hey. Hey, We're going back. (laughs) I I like going back to that. Uh, You know, we're back to the uh, crazy introduction for me. I think you should move away. Yeah, I think you should move away from the ridiculously talented thing and, and just start saying like off the wall things. All right, we'll, we'll um, put another one. For the next you know, to my you know you know terrible golfer friend uh, Mike <laughs> Mahalik or something like that. Hey, golf season's right around the corner. I know. I'm pretty excited about it. You know, yeah, and yeah. I, like I said, I, I need you to give me some tips here because yeah. last year I struggled pretty hard. Uh, <laughs> So, we'll um, but hey, uh, Brad, we got to introduce our other uh, guest yeah. here, our other co-host, uh, Mike. Yeah, we're Pernate the threesome today. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, I'm here, guys. Again, um, I'm sure our, our, our listeners, you know, love when I'm when I'm on. I'm not saying yeah. that with any with any sort of sarcasm you, at all. No, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I'm, you sound you sound like people hate when you're on, Mike. I mean, no, what are you doing over there? I'm I'm used <laughs> to the producing side. I'm used to the to the editing side, and you guys are the uh the the two main co-hosts so you guys nah, i gotta going. hear you gotta hear mike priante in there too now they yeah, don't need to brad good. you're just That's as much good. of the of the weather lounge as we are yeah, yeah mike yeah. and i are just kind of like the bartenders and we're just kind of you know serving the the, well, the, the, the <laughs> topics to everyone well, in that case i'll have uh <laughs> um but uh no yeah. i'm excited for this episode guys i'm excited to talk about another uh another little round robin uh talk about uh some weather terms is that right yeah, yeah, that's the reason we got Mike Priante on today. And, uh, you know, if if you remember, we did a, a podcast a few months ago about uh, weather in movies. And it was like a roundtable discussion. The three of us just kind of threw a few movie names out there. And we talked about it, whether or not, you know, how uh, true they were. Or, you know, if we could uh, find some some false things about uh, how, uh, you know, the movies were portrayed and, and filmed. But uh, so this one's going to be a little different. We're going to we're going to go over a few weather terms, not the normal ones like rain, snow, thunderstorm, kind of words that you hear like almost buzzwords in weather. Uh, you hear the media use, you read it on social media, on Twitter and things like that. So, um, you know, we're going to come up with those words. We'll kind of discuss them and, uh, you know, maybe uh, even have some personal uh, experiences with some of those words. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, 100%. And I think we kind of got the idea because uh, typically on Saturdays on our on our social, social yeah. media pages, we like to put out some weather terms. I just kind of explain what it's all about. So we thought one day, hey, why don't we just make a podcast about this? It's almost like yeah. a, a weather 101 type thing for people and, and in case they've heard uh, some of these terms, like Brad said, and just might not quite understand what they're actually uh, talking about. Um, but hey, I think that's, uh, uh, let's go over to a quick break, I think. Yeah. And then on the other side of the break, that's when we'll cover all these terms that we're talking about. So Uh, Stay with us, everybody. Keep on listening. We'll be back in a second. Have you ever needed weather data for a snow removal contract? How about a slip and fall incident? Searching for the information online may sound simple enough. However, it can be tedious and difficult. Good news. Our data and stats team can simplify the process. We'll find any weather information from daily rainfall and snowfall totals to hourly temperatures and seasonal averages. On the legal side, our forensic department routinely produces certified reports by meteorologists assessing the weather conditions on and around accident dates. 
So don't waste your valuable time. Give WeatherWorks a call today at 908-850-8600 or email us at data at weatherworksinc.com. Remember, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. And welcome back to the Weather Lounge podcast. I'm meteorologist Mike Mahalik. And with me today, of course, is meteorologist Brad Miller. Also, meteorologist Mike Priante is with us today. How you doing, Mike? Hey, hey, we're back. Uh, and I'm ready <laughs> to talk about some weather terms. Yeah, and I, and I do think uh, one of the terms <laughs> I think we should just go right into. No, don't do it, Mike. Don't no, do it. don't do it. I have to because the media talks about it all the time. And that is polar vortex there it is i said yeah. it i know um i think so a lot of times when you hear it's gonna polar... hit my backyard mike exactly and that's what we want to talk about a lot of times the polar vortex gets misconstrued and, and it kind of it sounds like something a big storm is going to strike mm-hmm. your area and it's not portrayed the right way um <laughs> so basically what the polar vortex is, it's nothing new, um, for one. I mean, I think it's been around or at least been discovered since the 1950s. So right. it's not like this is a new term in the meteorological community. Um, but basically, it's just a large area of low pressure that circulates around the Earth's poles. And basically what happens is it traps a lot of the cold air around the poles. Um, and typically that's how it works. Typically it keeps the cold air there and it never kind of sinks down into, you know, the United States or into Europe or something like that. However, there are times when this polar vortex gets disturbed and uh, a big ridge of high pressure or something pushes into it or an anomalous storm develops and, and kind of throws it out of whack. So then this polar vortex breaks into lobes in these pieces of the vortex can sink into parts of North America at times or parts of Europe or parts of Siberia or whatever it might be. Um, and that brings a lot of cold air into the region. Um, so it's not that something is going to impact you directly like a blizzard yeah. would. Um, it's just the fact that colder than normal air is going to start diving into your region over a course of the next several days or possibly a week, um, depending on how stagnant the pattern gets. So um, I just kind of want to clear the air on polar <laughs> vortex. You, you know, you want to hear something? Uh, I, I don't know where I read this at. Maybe it was a book. Maybe it was on social media or Twitter. So I'm not taking credit for it. But um, if you think of it this way, like the you were saying, the polar vortex, it's a very almost stable area of very cold air over the poles. And it's kind of just meandering, you know, around and around and around in a pretty normal circle. However, mm-hmm. think of it like as a washing machine. If it gets overloaded and it gets all, brum, 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 you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly <laughs> it, what you're it's talking all, about. It's all out of, it's all out of sorts. And you think it's just, it's not on its axis almost. It's almost like getting pushed off and yeah, back yeah. and back. It's like a big, you know, it's wobbling everywhere. And that's kind of what happens yeah. What Mike was just talking about. It just, it, it wobbles one way or the other, pieces break off, and then they yeah. kind of travel around the globe. So uh, think of it that way, I, I guess. I, I, I kind of like that uh, analogy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's almost as good as that uh, Oreo cookie analogy I used for the- Oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, I, uh, the I pre- loved that <laughs> analogy, Mike. I really did. Precipit- precipitation types. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but- uh, 
you know, I think that it, it, I just <clears throat> wanted to clear that air because I wanted to make sure that people aren't, you know, thinking like, oh my God, the polar right. vortex is coming in. What are we going to do? Yeah, ah, they, you know, well, it, a, good, it's, a, a good example was just this past February. I mean, it was, you know, the whole, you know, mm-hmm. the first this kind of almost the first half of the winter in the Northeast was, you know, relatively mild uh you know we had one one pretty good storm in december but then a piece of the polar vortex broke off basically and and you know headed down into uh you know eastern uh, united states and really it centered itself over the plains that's what mm. that's what really caused the uh uh the unfortunate uh cold snap in, in parts of texas where you know they were just uh mm-hmm. cold to the you know unfortunately right. it killed a lot of people is you know um but that's well, kind yeah, of the idea of what happened with that yeah i mean that was kind of a result of it being cold <laughs> and also seeing winter storms and also yeah. seeing ice storms um and bringing down power lines and stuff like that so it wasn't a direct result of the polar vortex it was kind of more of a result of it being uh cold and stormy right um, which created those power outages with the ice on the power lines and things like that. Um, but speaking of ice and something that's quite interesting, Mike uh, Priante there, I know you're thinking about freezing fog, right? How did you know? Did you read my mind? Are, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Let's just say we might have a list in front of us that no, we're going to talk don't about. Don't tell them the secrets now. See, now, no, you blew well, it. now you I blew ruined it. the whole thing. You ruined everything. we got to... All right, time to, time to leave, guys. Thanks for thanks for listening to the Weather Lounge. Um, but no, uh, our next topic obviously is uh, freezing frog fog, as Mike mentioned. Um, <laughs> freezing frog, yeah, freezing frog. I must have a frog in my throat. I guess I don't know. Um, Make sure you get that frog protection too. We're <laughs> oh, commercial. Man. See, this is why I shouldn't be on the podcast. This is the exact reason why I get these like okay. Um But anyway, okay, freezing, redo freezing fog, freezing fog. So you know, a lot of this happens. Uh, you know, it's basically the same thing as regular fog. You get kind of the you know those uh, very <coughs> tiny water droplets. Um, the air is obviously below freezing uh, for this to occur, um, and you get colder surfaces basically uh, that when the water droplets and they're super cool, so they're in the air. They're not they're not ice crystals yet. They're they're actually still liquid. Once they hit surfaces like uh, you know a railing or a tree. Uh, they hit the surface and then they instantly turn into ice. Um, it's sort of the same idea as like freezing rain, where you have rain falling. It's not frozen, mm-hmm. but the air is below freezing, or the surface is below freezing and it, and, and it freezes on contact. The same idea, just a different process, and um, it can be quite dangerous. I know it's something that people don't really think about in the winter when it's oh, it's a little foggy out there, but your thermometer reached 27 degrees. It could be mm-hmm. uh, dangerous, especially if you had rain previously or. Um, if the ground, or I should say, if it's a, some thick fog, if it's very dense, that could definitely mm-hmm. cause some issues. Yeah, I mean, and this is something that uh, some of our clients here at WeatherWorks uh, have to deal with, and uh, maybe some road departments and things like that, um, because if that freezing fog is thick enough, it can certainly start to get those grounds wet or damp, and that freezes. Um, you know, so it can create those icy patches, which can be really tough. If you're, you know, going over a bridge or something like that, you're thinking, well, it didn't snow, it didn't rain, it didn't freezing rain or anything like that overnight. Why is this bridge icy? Well, you know, sometimes that's because there was that thick fog and it's enough to develop a coating of ice. Right, right. And it can be, like I said, it can be very dangerous. And that's something that I think we've seen 
in the past. I don't know if it was this past year or like two or three years ago, but there was a really mm. bad wreck down in Virginia. Um, I mean, mm. there, there was a, an overpass and, uh, and, and, and it caused, it was basically, you know, uh, ice on the road. And, and just, again, mm-hmm. just sometimes you really don't know it. I mean, it, it's one of those mm-hmm. like kind of uh, secret dangers, those, uh, those hidden dangers yeah. with ice. And you really don't know until it happens. And, um, you know, something no, that people, you should be slowing down for the fog anyway. If you're that's driving, true. you should be, you shouldn't be, you should be speeding 60 miles an hour when yeah. it's dense fog. Fog's but, not the easiest thing to drive in. Right. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, fog, that can certainly be dangerous. Sometimes it's even sneakier and you even get just kind of moisture working into a cold area and that creates dew on the ground. So it's not even fog sometimes. Um, We've seen that happen before Well, where the uh, LIE had this develop on the roadways where it dew developed and then froze to the roadways and then they had a bunch of accidents on Long Island, Um, you know, because nothing was treated. But if you were treated, you were fine. Right. Um, right. So it's sometimes it's sneaky. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times, Mike, this, you know, you can forecast this out, like if the conditions mm-hmm. are right. And, you know, it's not a it's not a guarantee if the conditions are all there. You know, it has to it has to form with <clears throat> every single ingredient at the same time. So you can forecast it out, uh, but it's not a guarantee that it happens. But it's enough where if there is the potential um, you could definitely say, Hey, just keep an eye out because tomorrow morning when mm-hmm. you're leaving for work, you know, all the conditions are there. There could be some icy spots. So, you know, take it slow and, uh, don't, uh, don't speed, uh, on the road. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, That's for sure. Well, I think, um, that covers the freezing fog. So let's turn it over to Brad. Brad, all right. what do you, what do you got over here for a term? I have a word that, uh, probably a lot of people have heard, uh, probably even most people know what it is, but, uh, it's Virga and, mm. uh, you know, you, you'll hear a lot of folks talk about it sometimes. And basically what it is, it's precipitation that's falling above you and not reaching the ground. And usually that's because there's a layer of dry air, uh, most likely mm. more towards the surface. Uh, obviously if it's precipitating out of the cloud above, and, uh, you know, humidity is very low. And uh, what's happening is, yeah, if you go up five, 6,000 feet, it's snowing or raining. Uh, you get down towards the ground and there's so much dry air that it's just evaporating before it gets there or sublimates even. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's just a process. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, we see that in the wintertime when um, we have a, a, an existing really cold air mass overhead. Uh, usually in the northeast, we'll have an area of high pressure over New England and you know, it, it'll have a very cold, dry air mass. And then the next storm system's coming in from usually the west or southwest. And the, the precipitation will try to move into the area. It'll rain or snow, or in this case, probably snow above you. But it's just not going to reach the ground for a couple of hours because it has to has to uh, um, get the mm-hmm. lower levels of the atmosphere, uh, you know, moistened yeah. enough to where the the, draw, or the snowflakes can make it to the ground. Usually, it, it'll eventually do it, but... Um, Right. And you'll see it on radar too. A lot of times you'll say, "Oh my gosh, it's snowing over me <clears throat> right now." The radar says right. it's snowing, but you look outside; it's cloudy, but it's just nothing reaching the ground. And uh, sometimes you'll go through the whole time with that. You may just have a, a very uh, a weak system sometimes, and it'll kind of glide over the area, and it looks like it's raining, or you're supposed to have a, a shower or something, and it just doesn't happen. So uh, mm-hmm. that's what Virga is. It's just uh, basically precipitation that's not reaching the ground. But uh, if you're on a mountaintop, maybe you know, getting six, seven thousand feet above, you'd be getting that rain or snow. 
Yeah, I mean, and this is a, a very interesting topic too because um, I like how you brought up the radar thing because yeah. this is when the radar can be very deceiving. Sure. Um, you know, that it looks like snow's coming over you. You're looking at your app or whatever it may be, and you're saying, wow, well, I have blue or green all over me here uh, <laughs> with the uh, with the radar moving in, not physically. I was going to say, Mike, it sounds like, like what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you yeah, I drew with you. markers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I drew markers all over me. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you have the, the the blues or the greens over your location, and you're thinking, why isn't it snowing? What's going on? So this is where it's that Virga situation, and this is why you know we have a lot of our meteorologists monitoring this, and you know we do heads up for our clients and things like that for when the snow's moving in. You know, so we're actually monitoring the ground truth. Right, uh, when this Virga is happening. Yeah, because um, so the radar doesn't always tell the truth. And, and the main mm-hmm. reason for that is because the radar beam, uh, the further out it goes, the higher up it goes. So mm-hmm. here's the case where, yeah, it's precipitating at 5,000 feet above you because that's where the radar beam is at this point. But below mm-hmm. that, it's not reaching the ground because there's a dew point depression of, you know, 20 plus degrees and it's just mm-hmm. not going to happen for a while. This is the situation where, you know, our clients out there, don't worry. We're still watching it. We yeah. know the Virga is there. Um, we just don't know that it's actually not precipitating until maybe a hundred miles, uh, to the West of where right. the radar is actually showing the leading edge. So, um, but speaking of Virga, Brad, um, that kind of ties in with Alberta Clipper a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, just a little bit. Um, so I know, uh, probably a lot of, uh, you on the TV and news have seen Alberta Clipper or a Clippers coming through. Um, so basically what is an Alberta clipper? Well, it's just a fast moving area of low pressure that comes out of the Canadian province, Alberta. That's where it originates. Mm -hmm. Um, so it just kind of dives from out of the West Northwest, you know, across the Northern portions of the country usually comes into the Northeast United States. You know, a lot of times Alberta clippers don't produce all that much snow. Um, they're usually very moisture starved. They're not gathering all that um, uh, moisture from the Gulf of Mexico or the Atlantic or something like that. Um, so usually it's like a one to three inch type snowfall. It's usually a very fluffy snow because mm-hmm. it were originated well up into Canada. Um, so it's not anything that is incredibly um, impactful most of the time. <laughs> I yeah. should say. Um, and a lot of times with that dry type of system, there is a lot of Virgo with it um, just because there's not a whole lot of moisture. Battling that dry air that's already there. Because um, usually at that point when you get a clipper, there's usually an Arctic air mass that's overhead or at least that's already mm-hmm. overspread the area. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, – but, you know, even even with the snowfall, Mike, you know, sometimes you do get these clippers that come through. And you may only get an hour or two's worth of snow. But like you said, it's fluffy. Uh, the, the, mm-hmm. the ratio, the snow ratio is very high. So, you know, it may only take a couple hundreds of, of uh, precipitation or of, uh, you know, yeah. liquid precipitation to get an inch of snow. And, you know, you get an inch of snow at 20 degrees, uh, that's going to mm-hmm. cause some issues, especially if it comes in at like four or five in the morning. It could be a, I think there was something like that happened in, in Washington, wasn't it? I like, got like an inch of snow only and just created mm. a havoc that one uh, as like an evening snowfall or something like that. I don't you know, know what? I don't. Or not, though, but. Yeah, you know what? I don't quite remember um, what it kind of was. It was like a um, but, shower, but 
yeah, but I mean, as far as the um, as far as the Clipper, um, there are times when the Clipper can be um, more impactful, and a lot of times when that occurs, it's when it hits the eastern seaboard. There are times when it could develop into what's called a Miller B type system, which it develops into that nor'easter right on the coast as it hits those uh, warmer waters and that. Uh, we like to call it a bare clinic zone, basically just a tight gradient of uh, air temperatures. Temperature, yeah. And when it hits that, it explodes. And sometimes it's slowed down um, by, you know, a, a blocking high pressure blocking, over Greenland or something like that. Things like that, yeah. And that's what allows that extra time to develop. And then eastern New England gets walloped by a foot of snow or something like mm. that. So that can happen at times. So. I know, Brad, I think you're next on your round table. Uh, I know we're going to skip over Mike here for a second, but we'll be right back. That's with all you, Mike. right. Don't like worry said, about don't it. Don't worry about me. Yeah, we're going gonna to stick with one last uh, <laughs> one last winter term here, or it kind of just goes hand-in-hand with winter. Really, it goes yeah. hand-in-hand with anything during the weather. Sure. But uh, the, uh, the, yeah, the last term here that we're going to talk about before a break uh, is called the uh, jet stream. And uh, mm-hmm. that's something I think a lot of folks have heard. Uh, basically, it's like a river of air. You think of it that way. It just goes around the globe. It's uh, it's way up in the air. We're probably talking thirty-five to forty thousand feet, uh, sometimes even higher. It just depends upon you know uh, what's going on uh, synoptically with the weather. But uh, think of it this way: you, you put a you put a stick in the in the stream along when you were a kid, and you watch that little stream kind of go on by, and or you watch that little stick and see how far it can make it down the uh, down the street without uh, you know, hitting something, but it basically is following the flow. And that's what the jet stream is. It's a flow of air around the globe. There's one for the Northern hemisphere and there's one for the Southern hemisphere. And that's what the weather systems just kind of follow, uh, from West to East usually. And, uh, it's just kind of something that we could, uh, learn from a lot. And, and a lot of times in the winter, especially you actually have a subtropical jet stream and a Northern jet the two kind of need to get together what we call phasing when you have a big snowstorm on the north uh, on the east coast and you get a nor'easter in the uh, summertime it's more like almost like one jet stream because uh, it's it's because the air is so um, it's not as different from north to south as it is in the summertime but one thing that's kind of neat about the jet stream is uh, airplanes and hmm. usually when you fly from the West Coast to the East Coast, it's a lot faster than flying from the East Coast to the West Coast. And basically, planes like to get up into the jet stream at that level, which again is usually they're cruising altitude, 35 to 40,000 feet. And that way they get a little boost from the jet stream. Uh, and we're talking wind speeds now at this point, you know, 70, 80, 90, uh, 90 miles per hour. And that's mm-hmm. just helping to push the plane in you know, the direction towards the East Coast. Now, again, if you're going back West, it's going to use more fuel and it's going to be slower to go against the jet stream. So kind of neat. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, uh, yeah, definitely an interesting phenomenon that, uh, you know, planes uh, and air traffic does utilize that. Yeah. Um, So, um, hey, I just wanted to call out real quick in case anybody out there in the podcast is hearing... What's going on? Um, I'm actually in my home office right now, and there's some renovations going on um, downstairs. So if you do hear some banging around, you know, I'm sorry. It's not me, like, banging my desk or anything like that to tell Brad to be quiet. No. You know what? (laughs) We should get that. Maybe we'll do that. Like a gavel or something? A gavel, yeah. Like, like, uh, you know, after. Your time is up, sir. Your time is up. You know, bang, you know. I like it. We could, we could, we could, yeah. All right. Brad's been going too long. 
hit the yep. gavel all and right, we're all good. Gavel. <laughs> um, oh man. But, uh, Mike, uh, let's, uh, shift gears here a little bit. Um, let's head out of went, wait a minute though. I, did I forget one thing? I think I forgot grapple. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause then we're going to go to break anyway for real quick. So you can go downstairs yeah. and check on those, uh, those banging <laughs> sounds anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I forgot about grapple. Um, uh, that was our last winter term that we wanted to talk about. And, um, you know, so uh, I don't know grapple? if anybody you, you like grapple something. Yeah, like <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Um, no, it's grapple. Oh, grapple. Um, oh, G R A U P E L. Oh, come if, on, Brad. If you're in Eastern Pennsylvania, it's not scrapple <laughs> or anything like I that. Love, I love uh, scrapple. I'm, I'm from New Jersey, and I love scrapple. I was gonna say okay, that's a northeast good. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a northeast thing. That's a, yeah, that's uh, a New Jersey, Pennsylvania thing. Yeah, yeah. So grapple is is different. So. So here's a, a lot of people like to call them like dipping dots or something like that when they fall from the sky because that's kind of what they look like. I also love um, dipping dots too. No, 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 no. <laughs> Put or, some dipping dots on your gra- on your scrapple. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, We're getting way way out of line here, but uh, okay. Um, so let's talk about grapple a little bit. So. Um, basically what grapple looks like is like we're talking about like the dipping dots or it looks almost like styrofoam balls, but what they are are snowflakes that have fallen through an area of super cooled water in the atmosphere. So these snowflakes get rhymed with a little bit of this, uh, water and ice. Um, so they come down, they look like these little, it's almost like sleet, um, but a little mm-hmm. bit bigger, but they kind of are soft. So you can kind of crush them in your fingers or something like that when, when they fall. And I have a good picture of that. We had one um, last March, I believe, when a snow shower came through. There's a lot of grapple with it. And I picked it up and it just looked like a whole bunch of little styrofoam balls in yeah. my hand. Um, but um, they are quite interesting. Um, a lot of people, when they do see this fall, they're like, well, what is this? Is this snow? Is this sleet? You know, Sometimes they mix it up for hail, though, too. But hail yeah. is a summertime thing. You, you don't typically get hail in the winter. Yeah, but uh, this is a phenomenon that happens uh, mostly in the winter. And uh, it's just quite interesting uh, when it does uh, fall down. Uh, it's it's certainly something that's not a normal occurrence uh, with winter, wintertime precipitation. Um, so now let's switch gears and go to uh, Mike over there with some summer terms or spring terms. Do we want to take term. a quick break, Mike, or are we okay to continue? We could take a quick break. Just a, Let's just do a, that. Just a very quick break, guys. Yeah, I, I, got, I got some scrapple in the oven anyway. So. <laughs> you got some scrapple. You got, I got some eggs. You know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll make a whole breakfast thing here. So, okay, guys, we'll take a quick break. And after that, we'll get into some of the summer terms that we want to talk about here on the Weather Lounge. So stay with us. You're listening to The Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. And welcome back from that quick break. I'm meteorologist Mike Prianti. You're here on The Weather Lounge, joined with Mike Mahalik and Brad Miller. Guys, we are continuing our quest on the weather terms. Um, we have mm-hmm. managed to get away from winter, and now we're getting into more mm. Springer. Springer, jeez. <laughs> See, this is why you don't. You shouldn't bring we're, me on. We're the starting. Podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, we're starting from the last break uh, where we're talking about Scrapple and everything in the last segment mm. of our podcast, and now we're starting about we're talking about Jerry Springer over here. Oh season. man, he's not a weather term, but um, I never watched Jerry Springer. Did you guys watch? I didn't uh, watch it. Or, or I didn't watch Maury, it like Maury religiously, Kovich, but if it was on, I'd watch it. You yeah. know what? I I, I did a, a little bit when I was um you know probably when I was like a senior in high school. So this goes a long time back. Um, but, uh, yeah, I remember watching it a few times. Some of it was quite interesting, but obviously a lot of it was getting pretty staged uh, right. <laughs> towards the end of that show. That's right. for sure. Of course. But anyway, what I was trying to say was we're going from winter to spring and more summer-like weather terms. And I'll start off here, guys, with, uh, something that you've probably heard of before. Um, it, it's derecho, which is an interesting weather phenomenon that happens. And really it's just, a um, it's just a complex of thunderstorms that are long-lasting, and they get this name after uh, hitting a couple of criteria. So basically, they're pretty strong thunderstorms uh, from a, uh, what we call a mesoscale convective system. Um, mm. and, and like I said, they're organized thunderstorms, usually in a line or some sort of segment that goes through, um, and they can produce some pretty powerful straight-line winds, um, and it causes mm -hmm. a lot of damage. Actually, just recently, uh, this past year, um, if you've heard about it, and if you live out in the Midwest, I'm sure you know about it. There was a big derecho that went from uh, Nebraska all the way through Iowa, brought 100 plus mile an hour winds, went through Illinois and uh, in Indiana. That was a pretty strong uh, derecho, and it, uh, it 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 caused a lot of damage. Um, and that's kind of the one key thing with these with these systems. They cause uh, a string of damage for hundreds of miles. Typically, the uh, the, the definition for the National Weather Service is 250 miles of winds greater than 60 miles per hour. Uh, and that is what is classified as a derecho. Yeah, and it's over that whole entire swath of 250 uh, miles uh, that this wind field extends. So it's all one system coming across. And uh, it's quite interesting when you see these on, on uh, radar. Um, because they, they develop into this like Boeing kind of segment of thunderstorms um, that looks quite interesting. It looks like somebody's got a bow and arrow shooting across yeah. the, uh, the country. Uh, but that's a telltale sign that, uh, you know, this is developing into a well-organized system and that uh, some really strong winds are, are right behind that. And, and one thing, too, another little tidbit here is that derecho is actually a Spanish word. Um, which means like straight, like a direction. So mm. if you think about it, derechos or these big storms cause straight line winds. So that's yeah. kind of why it's called derecho. Uh, it's a yeah. little interesting tidbit why we call that. It's it's yeah. amazing too if, if you watch the life of a derecho. Basically, I mean, it can mm -hmm. start. You know, it, I, I, the one in particular I remember um, since being back up here in the Northeast uh, was the one that went through uh, Mid Atlantic. Or uh, no, actually, I was down south for that one. That was the one that came through Washington D.C. And they actually mm -hmm. the final round of a PGA event uh, was not canceled, but they didn't allow any spectators on the course because there's so many trees and branches that were needed to be removed. It was okay to play golf because there's no more there's no more danger, but it was just amazing to see no one there and all these trees had branches down and there was like a special rule that day, I think, that they could move their ball if they got in the way of one of these mm. trees that were down. But it was amazing that you know to see the 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 lifeline of where it started in the Dakotas and goes all the way down, you know, off the East Coast. I mean that's what, fifteen hundred miles or something? It's just crazy. Yeah. Um I think that might be the same one, Brad. 
Um, if you look it up uh, on YouTube, it's uh, if you look up Phillies because it was there was during a baseball game when it oh. came through. If you look up Phillies and like hurricane or something like that, mm-hmm. um, obviously it was not a hurricane. It was right. the the show. Um, but um, it, it's quite interesting if you want to see you know how powerful these things can be as yeah, they as they roll know. through. And just one quick last one. We did have one that rolled through the Northeast, the middle. Well, I don't know if you would call it Mid Atlantic. Um, last year, even yeah, that started in about Erie, Pennsylvania, and it went all the way across Pennsylvania through Philadelphia and into uh, Central South Jersey. South Jersey. Yeah. Um, so that was also a derecho, um, and that I think had seventy mile an hour winds with it. So yeah, I mean, really destructive systems. Mm-hmm. Um, thank, thank goodness they don't occur all the time. Um, right. it's, you know, more of a, uh, rare uh, occurrence. That's for sure. And you know what, Mike, that actually takes us to our next weather term, which kind of goes hand in hand with the, uh, derecho and, uh, that's shelf cloud versus wall cloud. And, uh, it's confusing to a few people and, uh, I've actually been confused by it before and, uh, sometimes mix up the two, but, uh, basically a shelf cloud is the leading edge of a squall line or a derecho if that's what's going to happen, uh, with any kind of severe weather event. But, uh, you know, it just goes for miles and miles and miles. And, you know, the squall line of course can cover hundreds of miles. And again, it's the leading edge. It's basically where, winds are coming out of the storm at first and then the rain mm-hmm. follows and you can usually tell when there's going to be a shelf cloud uh with the uh, leading edge of the thunderstorms because you can feel it too uh, mm-hmm. you feel the gust front come through and the, actually the temperature drops a little bit and like oh that's when you always say oh it's gonna probably rain here and start hearing thunder in the distance so mm-hmm. again that's kind of a shelf cloud and uh kind of think of it as a long shelf and that's uh what we're yeah. kind of describing right here and and uh, the funny thing is, you know, sometimes people when they're out uh, storm chasing and things like that, they'll they'll take a shelfie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know do. that is a, there's a joke that I see a lot of times. It on, is. Like, I know. Instagram they take and a, stuff like that. They take a picture with the shelf cloud in the background. Unfortunately, I think uh, only meteorologists get that joke. Yeah. I know. Uh, <laughs> everybody else is probably like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> so 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 there's your shelf cloud, which is you know associated with the uh, the, the the line of storms basically. Right. And then. Um, on a much smaller scale, you get the wall cloud. And what happens with the wall cloud is it usually develops under the, I guess, rain-free base, if you will, where the mesocyclone or the part of the thunderstorm is where you can get some turning also. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they can sometimes produce a tornado. And if you're going to get a tornado from a thunderstorm, uh, usually that's, again, where it's going to occur with the uh, the wall cloud because it, it'll start to kind of uh, rotate on a, on a vertical axis. And then, yeah. you know, that's how you get the, the tornado to come to the ground. Well, when you see a wall cloud, it's, it's m- much different um, yeah. from a shelf cloud. A shelf cloud is just kind of rolling towards you. And right. uh, it, it really, you know, it doesn't have any rotation to it really. Um, but with a wall cloud, you will significantly, you will see that rotation and it's quite quick. Um, so it's not something that you can uh, really mistake when you see that rotating part yeah. of the wall cloud um, <laughs> underneath the uh, the circulation of a strong uh, supercell. You know, this is when you should be concerned. I was going to say, if, if you, unless you're chasing the storm and you know your your protocol and you know how to <laughs> keep yourself safe, uh, that's about the time where you got to go take cover because a tornado may be forming. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, you don't want to see a wall cloud. Put it that way. 
I, I guess the next thing we have is uh, on the list. I go, it's back to me, I guess, right? I mean, I yeah, it is. Uh, now, now it's You're the mic, now it's the mic show. Um, so uh, we'll start off with um, I guess uh, microburst, which is all tied to this severe weather, uh, you know, phenomenon. And you know, microburst can happen obviously in derechos too. Um, but it's something that people like to mistake uh, for tornadoes, and the reason why is because uh, these. These microbursts develop basically from like localized columns of you know rapidly sinking air from a thunderstorm, and they could cause uh, some pretty strong winds. Um, but they're straight line winds. So again, like mm-hmm. the derecho, straight line winds. Um, but this is more localized uh, little bursts of uh, air, and um, they can produce as high as a hundred mile per hour winds. Um, so it makes sense why sometimes if this happens, people can say. Oh, a tornado rolled rolled through, and that's actually mm. uh, a thing that the National Weather Service they actually send out teams, um, you know, uh, post storm uh, damage teams to, to to see if uh, if this was actually caused by a tornado or a microburst. And there are some signs, and I'm sure you guys know, you know, what are the signs between a tornado versus a microburst? It's it's basically that straight line damage is what you're looking for. You're looking for uh, trees or corn or something all laid down in the same direction. Right. Uh, so that indicates your straight line winds. But if you have, you know, trees are kind of uh, toppled in 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 a direction that's almost cyclonic, things like that. Right. Yeah. Or or they drop cyclo- cyclonically. You know, then you're thinking, okay, there was some sort of rotation here. It wasn't just a uh, microburst just flattening everything really quickly. Um, you know, this is something else. And I think what gets confused with the microburst sometimes and the tornado is that because microbursts are exactly that. They're micro. They're very small scale. Right. Uh, it's not like you're going to cover 50, 100 miles or something with a microburst. They're usually very small scale, only, you know, a couple of miles or 10 miles or something like that. Um, that actually get hit by it. So, yeah, and, quite and interesting really, phenomena. I was going to say, and this is a reason why uh, airplanes and things like that, they, they won't mm. land or take off uh, during a thunderstorm. And truthfully, mm-hmm. the thunderstorm isn't the biggest concern for the airports and things like that. It is. It's the microburst that would cause the problem because if a plane is trying to take off or land, you know, they're, mm. they're coming down gradually. And if you get this rush of air coming down, you know, that's, and I think that has a, unfortunately uh resulted in some some uh airplane yeah. disasters because of a microburst yeah, and sure. uh yeah uh-huh. i'm sure that's the last thing a pilot wants uh exactly. when they're trying to touch down nice and softly on the runway to get hit by a uh 100 mile an hour uh, burst of air from, coming from from the air <laughs> well from, yeah. from above him you know to that end there's another thing which i'm going to sidetrack here for like a minute or two but there's a uh, clear air turbulence if you, you know, yeah a cat is mm. what would they like, like to call it uh, and, and that that could be even more dangerous than this because that you know clear air turbulence is kind of what it says it's it's when we know that the air is clear it's a beautiful day but uh but there's definitely some little uh, you know perturbations in the wind that really screw up uh Mm-hmm. Uh, a pilot from landing and it, you know you, you wouldn't think like, a normal person oh it's a bright and sunny day gorgeous weather great for takeoff but a pilot knows uh not always um and, and yeah. it can be dangerous sometimes yeah maybe i ran into some of that one time when i was flying out to a uh, trade show with the guys at weatherworks <laughs> because i felt like the one time we were landing in michigan it was uh quite turbulent on the landing and i was kind of like getting a little mm-hmm. bit nervous here it was kind <laughs> What's right, going yeah. on? It's a nice day. And I was, I don't know if it was a sea, uh, lake breeze I was running into or what, but I was kind of like, is this guy going to land this thing? Cause I'm getting a little nervous. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, but uh, hey, I don't have any terms for a little while yet, so it's still the Brad and Mike show. Okay, I, uh, um, all right, all right. I guess, <laughs> Brad, do you want to do you want to talk about your term? Uh, yeah, I'll talk about this last one because again, it's still along the lines of severe weather. It's not really generated because of a thunderstorm, but it's a fun word. We can all say it together: haboob. <laughs> it's, right. it's not all rated <laughs> well it's not it's truly what it's called so yeah. if anybody's out there thinking like oh my god what did they yeah. say uh it's, no uh, it, it's really a, a term for brad yeah what it's, is it? a, it's 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 really just it's it's a dust storm um yeah. that's just kind of carried along um they're not very they don't really happen anywhere except for the southwestern part of the united states uh, of course other parts of the world have them uh, but it's mm-hmm. really sandy desert areas. Uh, you'll see them from time to time. A phoenix, you'll sometimes you'll have a, 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 a helicopter like, wow, look at this uh, uh, dust storm or haboob mm-hmm. in this case, you know, move across uh, Phoenix. And, and it's almost like it's a snow squall for the Northeast because you go from almost sunny, nothing going on. And as soon as this thing moves in, your visibility drops quickly, sometimes down to zero. And mm-hmm. instead of snow flying around, it's a bunch of dust and dust. Uh, little piece of debris and and it's just yeah. uh you know i i've never been in one but uh for when i could see and what you can't see basically when one comes through it's like almost the, the sun gets completely blocked out and it's almost dark as these things go through and wow. they're not long but after it moves through you know the winds finally diminish but you know you may be left with a layer of dust on on top of everything it's crazy I've, I've been in one i was a oh, long long i was like four years old Um, yeah, uh, it, I mean, from what I could remember, it was, it's essentially like what you said, Brad, it's like, it's dark. Um, it's, it's almost like, um, basically like a blizzard, but instead of uh, snow, it's just like, you know, dust. Um, so, I mean, and it could be, uh, it could be dangerous because, you know, you have the, the particulates and a lot of these guys out there, um, everyone who lives out in the Southwest and, you know, they, they, they know that this can happen. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, usually they have to wear like masks and such. And of course. Now that's more of a common thing, but, but usually, you know, you have to cover yourself up because, you know, you, you can't breathe that stuff in. It's not good. Uh, not good mm-hmm. for lungs. Yeah. I mean, typically something I've never experienced in my life, but it's interesting that you have, Mike. Um, yeah. But something I've have experienced in the past has been a dust devil. Uh, I know, uh, Mike, you want to talk about that yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'll piggyback off of the haboob um, and talk about the dust devil. So, um, you know, these are just interesting, interesting words. Like, nothing to do with devils, but um, but it's, uh, <laughs> it, you can almost think of it like a, like a mini tornado, but sort of similar, but not really. Um, so, you know, they, they do form, um, you know, in these, like, you know, drier desert climates. So the southwest U.S., I'm sure they happen in, uh, you know, in parts of other parts of the world, like in, in parts of Africa. And actually, they they do happen on other planets. Um, hmm. uh, dust devils have been recorded on Mars. Um, wow. Yeah, a little interesting. Um, you know, they Mars has a has an atmosphere, and they have uh, they have weather uh, on on the planet. And uh, there have been check it out if you if you can ch- search dust devil on Mars. It's actually pretty interesting because they have uh, recorded video and, and pictures of like little dust devils developing, but a dust devil essentially is just a it's a it's a an imbalance of the the thermal profiles. So you have a very you know large area of like warm air at the surface, um, and as the warm air starts to rise, it encounters a really cooler you know air mass above. And in these desert climates, usually you get that uh, difference in temperature because it's so dry. Um, and when that happens, it causes big updraft. And sometimes if it's strong enough and there's enough of a wind shift, they can start to spin. 
and essentially create this little vortex. And they could be small, little, like, little vortexes that can pick up some dust and they could be as little as a foot and a half to as big as a ten, you know, a yard, you know, a few yards, um, to even mm-hmm. maybe like ten yards, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's where uh, they can become a little bit dangerous. Um, typically, they're not that strong, but they could be as high as sixty mile, miles per hour, um, and in that case, you could probably get flung flung away, or you know, things can get picked up, and you know, uh, it could get dangerous. And I'm Mike. I'm sure you've you've seen one, so I don't know how dangerous yeah. it was, but. It wasn't all that dangerous. And yeah, you know, I like to point out, like like Mike said, that, you know, these can occur pretty much anywhere if the conditions are correct. Um, and they occur on nice days. It doesn't have to be a, a stormy day. Out when these things come through. Yeah, yes. it's usually a fair weather day. Um, and I remember when I was younger, I was um, I was playing baseball um, for my practice. And uh, yeah, I, just basically out of nowhere, here comes this swirl of wind. Um, across the fields and, you know, it basically was kicking up leaves and kicking up uh, little twigs and stuff, you know, and then it came across our ball field and basically, you know, kicked all that baseball field dust up in the air. And, uh, you know, as kids, we were just loving it. We're just running around in it and all that (laughs) kind of stuff. So it wasn't anything that was damaging, you know, maybe there was like, you know, 35, 40 mile an hour, uh, winds inside it. Um, but it wasn't anything to be to be worried about. But it was quite cool to see that come through. Uh, and it was a nice day, too. And uh, it was just like, where the heck did this thing come from? <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know. I wasn't a meteorologist, obviously, when I was, you know, 12 years old. Um, but, uh, you know, it was certainly interesting to see that. And, um, you know, it's interesting, too, that Mike uh, mentions uh, weather on other planets. I, I think to myself, though, so they have dust storms on Mars. Right. Would it still be called a haboob on Mars? Would we call it the same thing or we call it something <laughs> else? Get big enough. Well, we call it a like, dust devil on Mars, so I guess yeah. the same dynamics. If it's a whole different thing, we have to give it another name. And I'll I have think, to ask yeah. the Martians yeah. when yeah, we uh, we'll do that in twenty years. Get there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I just thought, I don't know. I guess we just keep the same names. That would make things simpler. Simpler. Yeah, exactly. That's for sure. Um, um but, but uh, yeah, hey, Mike, you have I, something interesting, right? I, yeah, I think it's our last term we want to talk about. And by all means, if you do have other terms that you want to hear about, um, send us an email, weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com. Yeah, we'll, we'll even throw it in our Saturday weather terms for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because there's obviously things that we haven't covered here. Um, but if you do want to hear about it, you know, drop us a line. Um, but anyway, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is um, uh, lightning, but not your normal lightning. Uh, I'm actually talking about volcanic lightning, hmm. um, which is quite interesting um, because we all know how lightning, well, uh, for those out there, I mean, lightning works in a cloud where you get the charge separation based on, you know, hail kind of and water droplets separating charge within a cloud. And that's how you get your uh, your lightning strikes. But the same thing happens when you have volcanic eruptions. Um, if the volcanic eruption is powerful enough, it's going to force a large plume of dust and, and smoke uh, into the atmosphere uh, vertically very fast. Um, so you're getting um, basically uh, dust particles and little rocks and things that from the explosion that are kind of going past each other, separating those charges much like hail would in a, in a regular cloud. And then you get lightning out of this eruption plume. Um, which I imagine if you were 
you know, seeing this happen, you're probably like, oh my, you know, like there's lightning with this thing too. I mean, you know, what else we got? We got lava, we got ash, we got, you know, earthquakes and now there's lightning. I mean, is, is there anything else? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is really bad. Um, so it, it's quite interesting. And, and a lot of times, uh, I think Mike brought this up. Uh, you can even get uh, pyrocumulus uh, developing, um, which is basically cumulus clouds forming from that hot rising air from the eruption or even from forest fires and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And, that can... and with forest fires, too, if you think about it, you know, essentially they create, you know, more thunderstorms and they can create these pyrocumulus clouds, which can actually produce, well, number one, you know, uh, rainfall, which could help put out the fires, but on the other side, lightning, which could start more fires. So essentially, right. wildfires can can start more fires by by creating, you know, these, these <laughs> thunderstorms. So it could be a dangerous cycle, and it's happened yeah. before. Um, but it, um, on the other side, it can create, you know, rain and and, and put out fires too. So yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure a lot of people out in California know from uh, I think it was 2020 when they had a lot of fire danger uh, going on out there. So. Um, you know, they know how destructive the forest fire can be. And, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, dust devils and things like that, even in, we didn't talk about this, but even in a, a forest fire or a wildfire I, like that, you can get fire natos. Fire nato, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is crazy to think of. Yes. It's like, it's like a dust devil or possibly like a, a tornado. I don't know exactly if it's more on the dust devil side or more on an actual tornado side. I think it's more dust devil because of the yeah, thermal say, it's generation. Probably, it's, it's driven by like what Mike was saying. Yes. Perhaps was saying about the cooler pockets versus the yeah. hot air rising and the hot the fire yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, talking about a spinning column of fire that's lighting other things on fire. I mean, that's that's pretty insane, and those can be very dangerous too. So um, let's not see any of those anytime no. soon. Tough um, to forecast because, too. <laughs> yeah, and tough to fight too as a fireman. Yeah. But uh, I think that about wraps it up, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening out there on the Weather Lounge podcast. And please remember, we'll have a new episode every two weeks. So please uh, listen to those. Listen to our past episodes, too. A lot of interesting stuff, like Brad talked about earlier, the uh, weather in movies or the folklore debunking uh, podcast that we had was quite interesting, yeah. too. Um, so A lot you know, of guests get- on, too, of course, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A lot of guests from the snow and ice industry have been on. Um, So please listen to our podcast. Check them out. As always, check us out on social media um, and always weatherworksinc.com to find out more about our company and drop us a line via an email. Weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com is the place to do that. Give us any suggestions. Let us know how we're doing. We'll be glad to hear from you. So come listen again. Thanks for joining